Welcome back. You're tuning into Sports Talk with Big Sarge Podcast. I'm your host, Big Sarge. And right now, I have a special guest for you all. None other than uh, Lil Michael. (laughs) 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 You remember that on The Longest Yard? I look like Lil Michael. Yep. (laughs) I have none none other than Houston beat writer from Sports Illustrated, Cody Davis. What's going on, Cody? Nothing much, man. Glad to be back on the show. Man, I'm glad to have you back, bro. Um, hey, in another uh, look at another time in another life, <clears throat> we're gonna have to talk about. Uh, you know what? I'll just leave it like this. Man, why are these people so crazy when it comes to the Houston Texans? But that's another story for another time. <laughs> that's a whole nother show that you do. But oh my God, how could you not want to pay Laramie Thompson and say, "Hey, let's just go ahead and move Titus from the right side to the left side." Then we'll have everything taken care of. Yeah, you act like it's easy to just, you know, if you've been writing right-handed all your life, just say, oh, just go ahead and become ambidextrous and write with your left hand. Yes, Titus has played some left tackle, but Laramie, that's his natural position. Yes, and the one thing that I hate about that narrative is this. Really quick, one, we saw it from Titus Howard about a year or so ago. Yes. He was decent, but he wasn't great. He was yes. decent, but he wasn't good. He was decent, but he wasn't solid. He was decent, but he's at his best at right tackle. Not only that, you have arguably, if not the best, the second best left tackle in the game. Why do that? Oh, and by the way, you're going to get a rookie quarterback this year. Unless we whine about, what, five years ago when Deshaun was the rookie quarterback and he got his ass handed to him, but not one, not one year, but two years in a row. One time led the league in sacks. 62 times he got sacked. That led you saying, oh, my God, we had a franchise quarterback. Let's trade for a left tackle. Why do that when you already have one? Get him taken care of, lock the guy up on the right side, and put your your rookie quarterback in the best situation. Plain and simple. Let's not talk about that right now. You ever seen a movie, Booty Call? Of course. Take a breather, black man. <laughs> <laughs> like, that makes no sense to me. Like, you want to put your rookie quarterback or anybody in the best position playing under center. And you have, like I said, if not one of, if not the best left tackle in the game, that makes no sense to me, Sarge. Hey, speaking of not making any sense, Cody, and as we transition over, <laughs> The Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cody, this year we've watched them have multiple 10-game losing streaks. First, it was thir- they, were, they lost what, 13 in a row. Mm-hmm. Then they lost 10 games in a row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but over the last seven games, they're four and three. How have you seen these Rockets grow over that time span? Man, it's just one of those things where, you know, at the beginning of the season and even beginning of last season, um, Coach Steven Silas just talked about a lot of patience. And that is what it's taking because, look, at the end of the day, we already know the story. You know, this year, Houston Rockets team, you had, what, one veteran on the squad, which was Eric Gordon. Um, you had to trade him during the trade deadline. So that was like a- Jay Sean. Yeah, one and a half, Jay Sean. I thought Jay Sean Tate in there as well. Um, but, you know, with the lineup in these rotations that we saw, a lot of these guys, they were extremely young. I mean, most of these guys should be getting ready to play in March Madness. It's not today, hopefully tomorrow. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I remember I, I, I didn't really understand how young this team was until a couple of weeks ago 
Um, I believe it was the game after they beat the, the, the Detroit Pistons or the Oklahoma City Thunder. I can't remember which one it was. So this was sometime late January, um, early February. Oklahoma City. I Oklahoma City. Yeah. And Coach Steven Silas said that one of, somebody on his staff um, showed him the University of Houston's lineup that was older than his starting five that he had against the Oklahoma City Thunder the night before. And when he said that, I thought to myself, wow, this is a truly young team. And when Pitt, you take by the way, at- does as well. The University of Pittsburgh, they, they have uh, the oldest in college basketball, if I'm not mistaken. And they're mm-hmm. older than everybody in the Rockets starting lineup. <laughs> and then there's this guy that plays for Memphis that's 26. I think he got a family like a wife and kids, they probably. I'm still to trying to understand how in the world he was able to keep his eligibility. I don't understand that situation at all. But shout out to the young man; he's doing this thing. Hopefully, it's 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 a minute. can still be in college. <laughs> Look at this young man. Hey, oh, he must have started out. What, what was that school that was that 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 had all the old <laughs> players that had them? Oh, uh, they was. Pretending to be Bishop like, Sycamore, yeah, and maybe that maybe he started his career there. I don't know. I and don't Bishop understand. Sycamore, Sycamore, Bishop. I don't know. I have a T-shirt that say, "Oh, is Bishop Sycamore?" I have a T-shirt that say, "Bishop Sycamore graduate." <laughs> yeah, so maybe he started, you know, his college career there. I don't yeah. know, but you know, and the, and the reason why I brought up that statement about how young this Houston Rockets team is because just like when we was young. Just like when you have young children, it takes time for them to develop and to learn. And before the Rockets game against the Los Angeles Lakers on on Wednesday, um, I asked Coach Steven Silas about, you know, are you starting to get the sense of and I asked this question for, you know, talking about Jabari. But this question that I asked is more so about the whole team. You know, are we getting to the point in the season at this stage in the season? We are we should be able to see Jabari Smith and the rest of these guys just grow. And then yes. you know, you, you what we the expectations and the thought we had of Jabari and Jalen and, and KP and all the rest of these guys at the beginning of the season. This is around the mark where we are starting to see those fruitions come true. And well, Coach Steven Silas and, and Cody, uh, before you finish that thought, I just want to throw this in there because I um I want to throw in, you remember Jabari also told us after they lost to the Chicago Bulls, he said, we're 70 games in. We shouldn't be using, we shouldn't still be using mm-hmm. young as an excuse. Mm-hmm. And so by you asking coach that question, you know, especially coming off the heels of what Jabari said, that just shows the growth as well. Exactly. And that's what I was going to get at. You know, this is this is around the time where Coach Steven Silas knew he was going to see growth in his young squad. This was around the time that we definitely was going to see growth in a young, in a lot of young players, including Jabari Smith Jr. And at the end of the day, even though this is what year two, year three of the re- rebuild, however you want to look at it, this is still a very young team with very young players who are still developing and is still trying to find their way on the NBA level. And the best part about this is the fact that there are four and three is finally showing you that these guys are starting to get it. I wanted to ask coach Steven Silas this after last night's win against the, the, against the um, Los Angeles Lakers. I wanted to ask him, you know, whether or not the, is the next, the next goal, is it stability? And I think you asked a similar question. That's why I decided not to ask him on that particular day. But 
that seems like it's the next step. Can you be consistent in what we've been seeing over these last seven games? Consistency builds stability. You're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I, I, I agree with everything that you said, Cody. And, you know, what, what I've seen over the last seven games from the Houston Rockets is a young team that it seems like they're starting to get it. And what I mean by they're starting to get it, they're starting to realize. Because I, I think uh, I'll put it like this. And if I'm not mistaken, you wrote an article about after the Dame Lillard 71 point game against the against the Rockets, J- Jalen Green made a phone call to coach, correct? Mm-hmm. And in your article, you talk about him making that phone call. And what, what did he say to coach again? He said, oh, I got you. He said, I got you. I'm with you. It was one of those two. <laughs> and especially for a coach, and we'll get to this a little bit later on, but especially for a coach that is pretty much in his last year of his contract, a coach who could be, you know, on the hot seat, who may not be able to, you know, see this rebuild through. And, uh, you know, according to general manager, Raphael Stone, you know, he didn't want to answer my question. He just said, you asked me the same question twice. I'm not going to, you asked me the the same question in two different ways. I'm not going to answer. And I was like, dang it. But, uh, you know, but that, that has to build a lot of confidence in a, in a coach who is in the situation that coach Silas is in. And we'll talk about that. Um, a little bit later on, but the, the the growth and the evolution that we've seen as far as this team is concerned over the last seven games, they could easily be six and one. The only mm. team that they really lost to was the Brooklyn Nets. And I was not surprised by them losing to the Brooklyn Nets because the Brooklyn Nets is a team that since they got rid of their three stars and you and I've talked about this, but since they got rid of their three stars, they play as a team, as a cohesive unit. And, the Rockets are still learning how to do that. And that goes back to their age and their youth and their inexperience. Whereas, you know, when you're going up against a Spencer Dinwiddie, when you're going up against a Mikael Bridges, when you're going up against, you know, players who have played this game a long time, who has been together for a long time, they know, okay, well, it's getting late in the game. We know how to finish games. We know how to make sure that we're executing our the plays that we want to run. And that seems to be an issue for the Rockets, because they don't, they're, they're still learning how to finish. So, if you look at those past seven games, I feel like the only team that really beat them was the Brooklyn Nets, and so they mm. could have, they they could have been six and one. But I've liked what what I really like that I've seen from them is they are starting to play together as a cohesive unit. And with that being said, the next question I have for you, Cody, is. How important is Kevin Porter Jr. to this Houston Rockets franchise? Because when he's in the game or when he's in the lineup, Cody, it just seems to make everything go so much smoother. Mm -hmm. And you know what that sounds like a definition of? What's that? A point guard. (laughs) (laughs) Plain and simple. Yes. A point guard that some people still think should be cut, released, or whatever they got to do to get rid of him for some We know those people. And I do mean stupid Idiotic. Yes. And I want to say more, but I know this is a family show. But wait, hold on. No, no. We can call him the (laughs) N-word. I think so. It's going to start with an N this time. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, we just finished talking about how the Houston Rockets have looked over the last seven games. But let's just go back to how the Rockets have looked since the beginning of March. Why is that important? Because Kevin Porter Jr. came back from his 20-game absent on March 1st. And 
whether they have won or whether it's whether it came in a victory or whether it came in a loss, the Houston Rockets have looked like a more complete, clean, because a more complete team because of the guy that they have right there running a the show, running a point guard who is your floor general and who is your primary facilitator. As a matter of fact, I just wrote this. This is a guy in Kevin Porter Jr. who just finished talking about how the game has slowed down for him even more. He's able to use his basketball IQ even more. And that is part of the reason why over the last three games, this man has racked up between, what, 25 to 27 assists and has only turned the ball over five times. The definition of growth, stability, and your definition of a 2023 point guard, which brings it back to another conversation that me and Steven Silas had when I asked him, how does he use Kevin Porter Jr.'s criteria as a growth of a point guard. Because when Coach Steven Silas was learning the game of his father, the point guard back then was like a Jason Kidd, a John Stockton. I'm a pass first point guard. I'm going to get everybody involved. But Gary that was Payton. 2020, Gary Payton. But that was 2025 20, years ago. Now, Sarge, right off the top of your head, give me whatever names you want. Just name me three of the top five point guards right off the top of your head Kyrie Irving. Mm hmm. De'Aaron Fox. Mm -hmm. And just anybody, anybody that you would put in the top five. It don't matter who. I... Point guards? Yeah, just, just point guards. Just point guards. Trey. Two... Trey, Trey Young. Trey Young. Okay, so that's three of your five. Is are any one of those um pass first point guards? Negative. <laughs> Negative. My point exactly. As a matter of fact, I, as a matter of fact, I, I think Kevin Porter Jr. is more so of the pass first point guard than those three that you just named. What yes. I'm getting at is the definition of a point guard has been part of the reason why the NBA has evolved so much over the last 20 to 25 years. Yes. And Kevin Porter Jr. is the definition of that. When you go back and you take a look at those 20 games where he was out, the Houston Rockets look completely in shambles at times because you was dependent on somebody, and this is no disrespect to the young man, but Jalen Green, who it, it's not his, it's not in his forte to set up his, his teammates. Can he shoot a guard, it? not a passing guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, look, Kobe don't Bryant. get me wrong. <laughs> exactly. Don't get me wrong. Can he do it without a shadow of a doubt? I've seen Kevin Porter Jr. go out there and rack up seven and eight assists. I believe his career highs is eight assists. However, that's not his role. When you Jalen bring, Green. Yeah, J Jalen Green. Yeah. When you bring Kevin Porter Jr. back into the lineup, everybody is able to get into their natural role that Coach Steven Silas has assigned to them. Jabari, you do this. Green, you focus on this. Shagoon, we're going to use you for this. When, when, when Christopher comes off the bench, this is what it is. Kevin Porter Jr. might be the most important piece of the Houston Rockets as we sit here on Mar March 16th, 2023. And if you don't agree with me, just go back and let's say watch two or three games in the 20 games that he missed due to that left toe injury, and then go back and just watch any game in the month of March, and you're going to see a complete different change on how he switches and changes the dynamic of that team. Which brings me back to that the, the seven-game stretch, because within that seven-game stretch, they lost to the Indiana Pacers in overtime. Mm -hmm. You have Kevin Porter Jr. in that game, because you remember uh, the game prior against the Nets, he got kneed in the thigh. He had a thigh yeah. contusion, so he had to sit out <laughs> one game. But if he was in that game... I, I I can go on record by saying that I think that they win that game. But uh, here's the thing. What the Rockets missed when Kevin Porter Jr. was out was a natural ball handler. 
Mm -hmm. Eric Gordon, you know, when he was here, was not a natural. He could play the position, but he's not a natural ball mm -hmm. handler. He's a scorer. Jay Sean Tate, you really know he's a Swiss Army knife. You don't really know what you're gonna get. Like you could be like, hey, Jay Sean, you know, I'm gonna need you to play center, right? <laughs> you gonna go out there and play center, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> look, I'm gonna need you and PJ Tucker to play the four and the five. But anyway, that's another story <laughs> for another time. But yes, not having Kevin Porter Jr. because he is by far the best ball handler on the team. And the way he became the best ball handler on the team is because he's been learning this position for the last two years. Mm -hmm. And so he's really in like his third year of learning to play the point guard position. And he's still learning. Like he's still learning how to play that position because you took a natural score and told him, Hey, now you got to run the offense. Now you got to get everybody else involved. Now you got to put yourself in a position to, you may not score, you know, 20, 25 points. You may have to settle for scoring for scoring 14 points and getting like, you know, 13 assists or, mm. you know, a, a, a nine assists. You got to make sure that you keep your turnovers down. You got to make sure that the offense is running smoothly. And that's something that he's learning up until last night. Now, I listen. You know, hey, if anybody gonna say it, so I'm gonna say it. I I'm gonna say it. <laughs> I knew without a shadow of a doubt after watching the first five to seven minutes oh, yeah. of that game against oh, the Los yeah. Angeles Lakers, <laughs> Kevin Porter Jr. took it personal against Dennis Schroeder. I don't know what it was. Maybe <laughs> it was because a former media member said that his ceiling was Dennis Schroeder. Which was the one of the dumbest things I've oh ever heard. Oh my God, it was so stupid. But, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe he got wind of that. But la uh, on last night against the Los Angeles Lakers on, on Wednesday night, he, it, he just came out a different person. And it's hard to stop him when he gets in his mind Tonight, I'm going to be aggressive, and tonight, I'm going to score, and tonight, you're not going to keep me from getting to the paint. I know that he even said last night they didn't have AD in the paint, but mm. I still don't think that that would have made a difference in the way that he was getting to the basket and the moves that he was making and the way that he was blown by, you know, the, these, these different defenders. So, I, too, believe that Kevin Porter Jr. is an important part of this Rockets rebuild, but Cody... I don't see it the way you see it. Mm -hmm. I don't see him being a por important part of the rebuild as far as point guard is concerned. Mm -hmm. I believe that he could be an important part of this rebuild off the ball at the three position, which brings me to my next question. Who should the Rockets draft if they get pick one through three in the 2023 NBA lottery draft? Well, if they get the lottery pick in between one and three, who should they draft? Well, I'm not going to. I'm going to use this based off of them not picking one. So. No, no, no. Let's go one, two, three. If they get one, if they get two, or if they get three. Come on with it. With the number two pick. <laughs> number one. 
No, no, I can't say number one because they they haven't had the number one pick over the last two years. Well, they got it this so, year. I just, I, well, they're, they're, speaking, they got it this year. No, I can't. Well, since we since we're talking about hypotheticals in the words of former coach Lovey Smith, since we're talking about hypotheticals, we might as well throw the other three teams that got an equal chance of being the fourteenth with you know fourteen percent chance of being number one. How many so of those other teams so, are you covering? So, you only cover so in, you're right, but about. in my draft lottery mind, I just went da -da 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 -da, and oh my god, Spurs got. The number one pick, and they no, pick Victor no. Wembyama. So, with the you number two pick, the Rockets get the number one pick, and then say if the Rockets got number two, if the Rockets got number three. If you know me, Sarge, I'm all about fit versus talent, and honestly, in my opinion, and I get it, there's the whole Victor Wembyama thing and all this other stuff. But I, once again, I'm sticking by my value, my core, and my belief, and my analyst of when you have a team that's rebuilding and you already have pieces in place, mm -hmm. it makes sense to go fit versus talent. With that being said, just say it, man. Don't in be my opinion, in, in my opinion, the Rockets in my opinion. It doesn't matter if they pick one, two, or three. In my humble opinion, I think the Houston Rockets should go with Brandon Miller. And I say that because I think he would be the perfect person that you can plug in with you, with, with you already have established. LP's established. Jabari's getting established. Jalen is established. Kevin Porter Jr. is established. You bring in Brandon Miller, who can be the three. And by the way, I know K KJ Martin has been on a whole type of different level this season. And it's break my heart to say that. But I do believe that he might be even better if he take that same tenacity that we've seen this year. And you make him your sixth man. You put in Brandon Miller. I truly believe that the Houston Rockets will have a complete and a more talented team. Ooh, and I said whoa, that whoa, because whoa, 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 side note, two things. One, I'm a I, I, I know that when KJ listens to this, he's probably gonna punch in your chest. Well, Second, KJ don't like me anyway, because we already battling and fussing about cowboys versus saints. So <laughs> second so, thing is this. Wait, in your scenario, because we're gonna get back because I uh, I we're not finished with this draft talk yet, but you 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 when you said it, all of a sudden my mind went shoot. So that means that if Brandon Miller is here, does that mean that Jay Sean Tate is not because at that three spot, you're going to have to the three spot. Now you're moving KJ back to the bench. So off the bench mm -hmm. first is going to be KJ and Tari. Where is Jay Sean going to come in in this? Because who's well, back up five? But, well, Jay Sean could be, well, Jay Sean, you just call him a switch army knife. So you can play you can you can you can play. I mean, he's played point before. <laughs> I don't I don't see and that is why, but that is why look, and this is why I say when you have a rebuilding team and you have all these young talents, but they all scattered all over the place, it makes sense to go fit versus talent. Because in my opinion, if you get Victor, now we're looking at what you're gonna do with LP and Jabari. If you get Scoop, what are you gonna do with KPJ and or Jalen Green? Like Whoa. and to me. Whoa, no, whoa, stop, hold on. Let me jump in here and interject real quick. And I don't mean to cut you off, but I mean to cut you off. Look, <laughs> Scoop Henderson. Wait, which one not? Oh, okay, Henderson. Scoop Henderson would be my number one. If I'm the Houston Rockets and I had the first pick. I don't see that, man. I, I would take Scoot Henderson because, one, he's a pass-first point guard. He's big enough 
to get to the rack and he's aggressive enough to get to the rack when he wants to, he fits right in. And now what do you do? Now you go back to what I said earlier by Kevin Porter Jr. being so important to this rebuild. Kevin is naturally an off-the-ball player. You get him and Jalen on the wings and let Scoot Henderson run the point? That's plug-and-play to me. That's fit right there. But, Sarge, here's my comeback to this, and I've heard this before, but here's my comeback to this. You, We literally just finished talking about Kevin Porter Jr.'s growth as a point guard. He is more so of a pass-first point guard than the three guys that you named. We just finished talking about his growth. I'm looking at this from a standpoint. If you bring in Scoot Henderson, what was this whole last two seasons all about then? Well, now well, you do we just throw it away and just tell Kevin Porter Jr. just go back to your natural position? If you wanted to put him back at his natural position, you might as well should have started Tata Washington from the jump and Ty-Ty just had. Is and, not school and have, I understand that, Ty-Ty but all I'm saying is now you now now I'm looking at it from a standpoint you're messing up the development of Kevin Porter Jr.'s growth. It's almost wow. similar. It's it's almost similar to Lonnie Johnson with the Houston Texans. Remember when he came in, you had him at cornerback. He was decent. You put him at safety. He started to look damn good. You put him back at corner and you cut him. You can't, when you have a young player on a young rebuilding team, you can't continue to be like, we need you to do this. We need you to do that. We need you to do this. We need you to do that. And then all of a sudden, let's just throw it away and just put you back at your natural. That doesn't make sense to me. That that definitely makes sense. How do you not see that taking that point guard? We just finished. Hold on. How do you see not taking that point guard mentality and that development and putting it on the wing? Now, he's a better ball handler on the wing. He's a better decision maker on the wing. He can still make plays. He can still make the same plays he's making as a point guard from the wing position when you swing the ball to him. And if not, you give it to give it back to school. Let them readjust. It's almost like having two point guards on the floor. Remember what happened? Okay, they tried to make Kobe a point guard. What happened to that? They had to scrap that. They tried to make Allen Iverson a point guard. What happened? They had to scrap all that. That doesn't mean that that development or whatever they went through that year did not help them later on down the line. So all I'm saying is his his learning, his development, and his toolage as a point guard will help him when he's off the ball and you swing it to him because instead of running running the offense from the top of the key, you swing it to Kevin. Now the, the the floor shifts and change. He can run the offense from that side as well. But here's the thing, Sarge. You brought up Kobe and Allen Allen Iverson. They did not run the point guard for two damn years. And you also got to keep in mind is this. Once again, he's been running this show as a point guard. We've been talking about him as a point guard. If you take the ball out of his hand, and the ball has been in his hand for the majority if not for all of these last two seasons, is going to mess up his development because now, once again, I'm looking at it from a standpoint, you are going to put him in a situation where you should you you should have just done it to begin with. So how does and then and then uh 21, 22, and not only that, and not and not only that, Sarge, who is a guy that Kevin Porter Jr. is compared to a lot? James Harden. Okay. So with that being said, as of right now, is James Harden playing off the ball? No, James Harden is a point guard. Okay, well, my I, point is exactly. But that's a different if, makeup in a different team. It's a different makeup in a different team. But what was he doing majority, if not the whole damn time he was here in the city of Houston? So you didn't have Patrick Beverly running the point. Oh, oh, well, since you, you brought that up. Since and, you brought and I that up. understand. I understand you talk. You go, and I know you're going to bring in the Chris Paul attribute exactly. thing. Exactly. But once again, 
who was the ball in the majority of the time because that was a terrible and then offense. and then that was a terrible offense one two <laughs> if james would have learned to play off the ball they would have won a championship but once again that basically proves my point why would you all of a sudden try to force somebody to play off the ball when you had him playing on the ball for over the last six years that's why i asked you kevin porter jr is 22 years old right so yes He's been playing basketball since he was six. So that's 16 years. So, right? So, But it's not on an NBA level, though. Hold on. 14 of those years, he played as a scorer. Just, those two years ain't going to change his whole mentality and say he don't know how to play off the ball again. You've only taken him off for two years. You put him back, it's going to be his natural position, and, and he's going to flourish from that position. So, once again, if we put right. him back at his natural position, what was these last two years all about? So hold on, time out. Are you telling me that sometimes teams go through different types of things, try to develop different type thing, experimental type thing, and it doesn't work? I mean, because we, we've seen that it doesn't work. They won, what, 37 games the last two years, right? <laughs> yeah, but that's it's not been... all on KP. You're and right. once again, we just finished talking about him developing as a point guard i understand his natural position is playing off the ball I understand that james harden came into the league as an off-ball guard as well but if you're at your best playing on the ball why would you try to why would you try to change that up and you're not going to get the best version of him i.e when james harden went to um you know when, why because it goes back to what we're talking about when he got hurt the Houston Rockets team right now has no guards except Ty Ty Washington, who so, just got put back down to the G League. So you don't you don't have, think you don't think if you go out and get Brandon Miller, you keep Kevin Porter Jr. at the point. Your general manager, we got so much money, we can sign anybody. You don't think that could sign somebody in free agency that can help with that? Who? I'm glad. I, I, I don't know because I haven't looked at the free agency market. I, I haven't looked at the free agency market yet, so I I'll really don't know. You, I'll tell you the the, the number one uh, coveted point guard that's going to be out there is Fred Van Fleet. Fred not coming here. Okay, so who else you going to get? Is I don't know. Once available? again, I haven't I haven't looked at the free agency market, there so are, I cannot no, say. There are no point guards out there that's going to come in and fit into this offense that's going to be available next season. So, with that being said... But that's the thing. You're looking at it from a starting point guard. I'm looking at it from a backup point guard role. So, when Kevin Porter Jr. needs a break, when Kevin Porter Jr. is hurt or whatever the case might be, hopefully, knock on wood, we don't have to go through this next season. But in an event that he does, you can have somebody that could come in. So, with that being said, you have Scoot Henderson. You got Scoot and Scoot on the floor, right? You got both of them on the floor. If Scoot Henderson gets hurt at the point guard position... Guess who you can put in and you don't have to go through what you went through this year without having a backup point guard. But that's so he the thing, still Sarge. plays the free and he's the backup point guard. But that's the thing, Sarge. You can get a backup point guard in free agency. Well, you heard it. So, how, why I heard it. One? Because they decided not to. So you think they're going to go out and get one in free agency? Hey, you was on the call when Raphael Stone said they have so much money in, in free agency that they're going to go out and sign $60 million. Dollars. And okay, you know then. So... You know who's going to be available? Uh, but the big names we, you're not going to be able to get. But I have no. this written down. So they could get Chris Middleton. He ain't a guard. They go, they, they, they're interested in Miles Turner. He ain't a guard. The only guard. Miles they, Turner is not going to be on the free agency market. He just signed his contract. Extension. They can sign and trade with. They can do a sign and trade with Miles Turner. 
with him coming up with the way that his contract is established. So mm-hmm. get rid of Jay Sean. You bring in Miles, but that's neither here nor there. I like Jay Sean. I do no, not. I said, what was, what's this? What's no, what's no, that? I don't want Jay Sean. Well, so hey, look, if we keeping it one hundred, I don't want Jay Sean to go nowhere. I like Jay Sean. I don't either. I, I like his determination, his grit that he brings. So he brings to that team something that they need. Somebody that's going to work hard every night. But with that being said, the only real true guard out there that you're going to get to come in here because you're going and you're going to have to pay him is Fred Van Fleet. But that's the thing. You're looking at a starting guard. I'm not looking at a starting. I'm looking at a backup guard, a veteran backup point guard. That's what I'm looking at. And Sarge, once again, I'm just looking at this from a standpoint of Kevin Porter Jr. is at his best playing at the one. Just like James Harden was. And we can sit here and go back and forth, but I keep using James Harden because he's the one that comes to my mind the most. He came into the league as an off guard. In college, he was an off guard. In high school, he was an off guard. But when he got here to Houston, Kevin McHale, um, J.B. Bickerstaff for half a season, Mike D'Antoni, they put the ball in his hands, and you saw you got the best version of him. He didn't excel until you put him in that Mike D'Antoni system. When you, he, he, I would, no, he I would say he became two time MV. He didn't, he well, he didn't win two times, but he came the equivalent of Steve Nash, who won two MVPs. That system is designed to highlight the point guard, and most definitely. And so even though Chris Paul, but even though Chris Paul was here, who was still at the top of the league in usage percentages? James Harden, who but damn near had the ball in his hand the entire time. But James Harden, Chris Paul came here because he got tired of the ball beating his hand 99.9% of the time. Who got tired of the ball being in the hands? Chris. No, he did not come here for hey, that. I because wasn't, he got tired of the ball being in his hand. That's what they said they with lied. him being a part of the Los Angeles, they say he just wanted somebody he could shut a load with. I don't know. I wasn't a part of the media with sources at the time. This is what I read. They want that's 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 Cole. all I'm saying. Cole. But at the end of the day, Sarge, I'm just yeah. saying if you are at your best doing one thing, so why you would guys- you try to flip it and change it and do something else when we already got evidence that you at the best of doing this? We here. Let's let me side note the side note of the side note. So if that's the case, then well, where the hell are you gonna play if James come? I you I already told you I don't want James to be no, here. No 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 no. I didn't say you, I didn't ask you what you wanted. I say what is he? Where is he going to play if James Harden comes back to the Houston Rockets? I'm keeping. I'm keep. I'm going to keep my same criteria because you know I ain't changing for nobody. Let James behind play off the ball. You didn't play it on ball so much. Hey, like I say, I don't. I don't change my criteria for nobody. I bro. don't. I'm sorry, bro. And once again, I don't want, I want James here because no, I don't. It's it's what I believe. That's hypocritical. If I go back and say, oh, you got to get the ball out of Kevin Porter Jr.'s hands. So hold on, you just said how, and that is part of the re. That's another reason why I don't want James Harden. I did. Hold on, once again, I didn't ask you what you. Want. I know. I, I know. Said, if the Rockets bring James Harden back to Houston, you said, Scoop, KPJ has developed these last two years, need to keep him in the point guard position and let him play right there. Now, James come back, what off-ball position? Because only James can only play two positions, the point guard and the shooting guard. So now you're moving mm-hmm. Jalen? Probably. But here's my thing, Sars. This is the reason why it's not right if James come back. And another reason why, the Rockets are still going to be in a rebuild. 
Who is more valuable to the Rockets' future in the next four or five years if they're still on the team? James Harden, who's going to be 39, or Kevin Porter Jr., who's going to be 27 and at the peak of his prom? You're not, you're not bringing James Harden, the man who put the nails in Toyota Center. No, he did not put the nail. He 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 refurbished it. He brought the Toyota Center from the 2000s to the 2010s. Cody, he put, put the LED. The Center, he put just... the LED. What? What? I was at the Toyota Center when they had Steve Francis. Now, don't do that. Hey, hold Steve on. Steve and T-Mac and y'all built the Toyota Center. Who James refurbished it. James put the LED lights in there. Who is the James. second greatest James Houston Rockets of all time? <laughs> second? second? Honestly, if we go on second, who no bias? retired first. No, I'm just saying, if we go going second, no bias. I'm going Moses Malone if you want to go second oh, greatest of all man. time. Come on, Moses Malone, two-time MVP? Come you on now. Come on now. Hakeem Olajuwon that's going to be James Harden. Yeah, James but you Harden. ask me. You ask me. He number three on my list. Once again, you All bias aside, you bring the Toyota Center. He refurbished it because I there's a guy know. by the name of Steve Tracy and y'all that built it. James put that, James I put that know. app that Kiati. You know, you know that app that Kiati, that Kiati be, be talking about. All you gotta do is press this button on your phone, and you go get your food. That's what James bought to the Toyota Center. But brick I by know. brick, nail by nail, Steve Tracy and y'all built that I arena. Guarantee you. That if you ask the majority of the Rockets fans what memories they have of the Toyota Center, they're going to say things that involve James Harden. That's because we're looking at a certain group of Rockets fans these days. Hey, look, hey, all but I'm if you look is- at a Rockets fan that's that goes back to I moved here in Houston in 2003. So if you go and find a Rockets fan from 2003, well, Harden some, some of that. That's said, my, my point exactly. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You think so? Wait, hold Cause on. Because you say who built it. Let me just make sure I got this right. If you ask Rockets fans from 98 to 2023, which Rockets player is the best out of Tracy McGrady and James Harden? They're going to the- say James without a shadow of a doubt. But so you look- just said memories. I'm just saying. It depends on what what rocket player you talk, what rocket fan you're talking about. Because I can find Rockets Rockets fans who was in the building the night team had scored 13 points in 35 seconds. I was in the building when Steve. Well, I wasn't in the building, but I could find people who was in the building when Steve Francis led the Rockets to their only win against the Los Angeles Lakers in Game Four of the 2004 NBA playoffs. I could find people who was in the building when the when the Rockets won not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, but 22 games in a row. The Toyota Center history goes a lot deeper than James. Is James oh. the best Rocket player over the last 20 years? Yes, without a shadow of a doubt. But when you're talking about building, when you're talking about history, don't disrespect the three guys who established that building before James' ass even got there now. Like I say, he didn't build it, but he bought the LED lights. He bought it into the 2010s. So, look, because I let you get all that out because you was on the roll and I didn't want to stop you. You you, you were passionate about it. So, hey. Hey, so, you, know, hey. you know, back in the day, you know, back in the day, when Cody. When we walked through that tunnel, what's, that, what's the one banner I'm looking at? Cody, when we, when we, when back in the day, I used to watch these shows that I really got myself involved into. And I didn't think I would like them at first, but then I found myself watching them more and more and more, like consecutively, back to back to back to back to back every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where these people would take money and go buy an old house <laughs> and flip it and make it a whole lot better, make it a, a whole lot better than what it originally looked like. So, with that being said, 
T-Mac, Yao, Steve was in Toyota Center first. When James got there, he made it look better. He yeah. is the one. What he, did it, I just say? So, no, listen to what I I'm remember saying. the Toyota Center when it had four screens on each side and it had like look. this little rocket coming up from the middle. When James got there, the house was worth 60000 When he left, the, the house was worth $2 Okay, that, that's perfectly fine. You're supposed to do that when you're arguably, if not the second greatest player in franchise history. That's what I said. So now. But, what, no, oh, no, oh, no. You said who on. built. Yeah, you said who built. No, James built it. James, James built it. So look. Boy, you watch your dog to, on mine. So going back to our original argument, you just even admitted it yourself. The second greatest Rocket of all time. You're bringing him back and telling him he got to come off the bench or off the ball? Once again, when you take a look at what's more important to the Rockets rebuild, and you got the best version of Kevin Porter Jr. Don't get me wrong. I'm not dumb. I know it's not going to happen. But that's just how I look at this. Plain and simple. That's how I look at it. So if you're going to bring James back, if they so hypothetically speaking, they're bringing James back. Scoot gonna have to play off the ball anyway. So why? Hey, what Scoot are we talking about now? Because there's still right. a possibility all three of them could be here. Do we really gonna be arguing? <laughs> KPJ is gonna have to play off the ball, right? If if James Harden comes back. So if you already have that in mind, go out and get you a point guard. It just makes it make. Uh, but even even with that knowledge that I don't want it to happen, I know it's gonna happen with James. And look, I understand it. I get it. It's James Harden. Arguably the second greatest player in franchise history. And not only that, he's just like Kevin. He's at his best with the ball in his hands. And then you still got to take a look at it from a, a deferred, respectable level. I get all that. I would be more okay with the James Harden aspect of that versus the school Henderson part of that. Well, give But me- what goes back to my, before we got way off, when you asked me, no, we, didn't get off. I, I, we, we got to who, a point that James Harden built Toyota Center. No, hell no. He ain't built a damn thing. He helped elevate it. He made it look real real nice. Like I say, before before the Toyota Center had them, was it, like 70, 65-inch screens on, on both sides? I remember they had the little TV by screens. You had to squint your eyes just to see how many points Steve Francis had. I remember those days of the Toyota Center. Because but, they weren't putting them in the seats like James was. Come on, man. What you oh, they was putting the them draft? in the seat because they had a guy named Yao Ming. Okay. Then they had a guy named T-Mac when he came. He was a two-time NBA scoring champ at the time. Come on now. Don't disrespect Bro, hold me on. now. James has been with two other teams, and he still packed the Toyota Center when he came back. You're right. Okay. What are we talking about here? Well, this actually, team, he only, actually, 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 he only packed it one time because the first time he came back was during COVID and they had limited seating at the time. <laughs> so he only packed it one time when he came back. Oh, look, hold on. When Steve came back when he's playing with Toronto, America. no, Orlando, what are you talking about? Yeah, when he came back when he's playing the with Toyota America. Center was packed that night because it was on TNT. I remember that game. I wasn't there. But it was packed that night. You know, people still love Steve Francis. I ain't the only one. Yeah, I love Steve Francis. We seen him at the Celebrity uh, Softball game. So come on, man. If you get give me the top three picks that the Rockets should go after. Yeah, I would say Brandon Miller. They should. That should be their number one target. Okay. Number two, you got to go with Victor, and number three, Scoot. So my picks would be Scoot, Brandon Miller, and then and then Victor. Because Victor makes it, for for me, Victor just makes it so, Victor changes the trajectory of your lineup, and then you start a rebuild pretty much all over again. My I can see, and I, and I tweeted this, and I know you've, you've talked about this before too, if they 
you know, so Victor would be number three. At number two, I would have Brandon Miller. And if they went out and they got Brandon Miller, that's just a plug and play, putting him right at the three position. And you can still keep KPJ at the point guard position. You don't have to do anything with Jabari. You don't have to do anything with Shingun. And you get two good players coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. But if you take Scoot Henderson, I feel like you still, you, you finally solidify. Because when I look at the Houston Rockets, the one they really need a uh, a point guard. Like I, I like Kevin playing the point guard. I think that he has learned a lot. He's he 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 has entrenched himself in learning how to play the point guard position, and I love it. But if you have an opportunity to get a natural point guard while also having a guy who played point guard for two years, then I think that does nothing but add to your, you know, only, only, it adds to your team. Because, like I said, if something happens to Scoot Henderson, then, you, of course, you can bring KPJ back to play the point guard. Or if something happens to Scoot Henderson and you still got KPJ, then you just another year of development for Ty Ty Washington as he learns, how, as he's getting his confidence down. So I just look at it as two – I just look at it as Scoot Henderson – to me, fits this team so perfectly, and you just you just keep going. I'm I'm not like I said, I'm not a big Victor Wimbiamba fan only because I I haven't seen him really play against like competition competition at that size. With Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller, their size also puts them over Victor for me because both of them already have NBA ready bodies, and you're gonna do nothing. But add to that. I mean, if you look at Scoot Henderson, I'm like, my God, I mean, he could play cornerback in the in the NFL. <laughs> and so that's how mine would be. So with, with that being said, I want to to bring us back. I got two two more points I want to make, two more questions actually that I want to ask you, and then uh, we can go ahead and end this, so you can go back and start watching your Tracy McGrady highlights. Oh, um, and <laughs> I like hey. Full disclosure, I'm a Tracy McGrady fan too. I like I love Tracy. I love Yao. I love Steve Francis. I used to watch the Rockets game so I could watch Steve and Catino go off, but really watch Steve Francis dunk. I just wanted mm-hmm. to see him dunk on or shake somebody. His handles. Hey, look, Steve Francis had Kyrie Irving like handles, and people don't give him enough credit for that. I watched some highlights of him the uh I want to say about three weeks ago. Oh my god. So with that being mm, said, mm, mm. you probably did because it was his birthday like three, four weeks ago. Yeah. So with that being <laughs> said, I, I, I want to bring us back. Please, can you just talk about the evolution of Jabari Smith Jr.? My goodness, that young man is starting to get it, Cody. This is why when I looked at the three prospects going into the draft, this is why I said and with the Rockets being number three, the number three pick, I didn't think it was possible. But this is why I said Jabari Smith Jr. has the potential to be better than the other two. And I say that because, and look, don't get me wrong, Paolo Bencaro has really just blown my mind this year. Like, oh, my God. Yes. He blew my mind from the first moment I watched him in Summer League. I was like, oh, he's going to be a problem. He's a grown man. <laughs> he's a grown man. But that's the thing. He's a grown man on the offensive side of the ball. Check. Whenever he gets an opportunity – I think I really do hope that his career isn't hampered by his injury. I hope he comes out and still be damn good. But he's a grown man too. 
but on the defensive side of the ball. But a young man by the name of Jabari Smith Jr., you got a guy that's a grown man on both ends of the court. This is why I want it, and this is why I was happy, and this is why I'm still happy that the Rockets ended up getting Jabari Smith Jr. And not only that, his attitude, his demeanor, just made him even more phenomenal. And this kind of goes back to, you know, early on in the show, we talked about giving this team time to develop and to grow. That's all Jabari Smith Jr. needed. And what I like most about Jabari Smith, and no, I'm not about to, you know, and I hate to, I hate to use this as an example, but I kind of feel like you have to. The evolution and growth of Jabari Smith Jr. also showcased the importance of Coach Steven Silas as well. And I say that because this is the third year in a row. The third year in a row, three years into the rebuild, we have seen a prospect, a young prospect from, if we go back to the very first game that we watched them play in the Rockets jersey, all the way up until where they were after All-Star break towards the end of the season, yeah. where they have taken leaps and boundaries and looking way ahead of schedule now. Yes, Third year in a row. First year was Kevin. Second year was Jalen, and for the third year in a row, it's Jabari Smith Jr. Yes. And Sarge, I'm pretty sure you peeped this by now, but over the last couple of days, I've been asking players about Coach Steven Silas's ability to teach. When um, I think his name is Steve Clifford, the New Orleans Hornets coach, mm-hmm. and he was here, and you everybody know, like Charlotte is a place where Steven Silas spent a lot of time. Yes, I, I asked Coach Steve Clifford, you know, about Coach Steven Silas time with the Hornets and that he said that was one of if not his favorite attribute about coach his ability to teach because he put it in a way to where players get it and understand it but they also know that they have time to learn it and everything that he said and I wrote about this a couple days ago is basically the perfect example of what we see what we have seen out of the growth of Jabari Smith Jr. and at this point Sarge I know I counted off three but I can name eight prospects that that Coach Steven Silas has helped. Yeah. Baron Davis, LeBron, Steph, Kimball, Luca, KP, Jalen, and Jabari. Now yes. I know when you hear those eight names, two is not like the other six. The <laughs> one <laughs> it's like, okay, he's he, he might be your GOAT. Like, okay, he's the GOAT. You want to say the GOAT? Fine. I might not even have an argument at this point. It'd be an all-time leading scorer, whatever the case. Look, I understand it. But when you take out those other three and you look at what those five players always say when they was young, still trying to learn, it was around Coach Steven Silas. All five of those guys have talked about how Coach Steven Silas has helped lay the foundation to their careers. So you bring in these next three, that's eight prospects this man has helped. And for those of you who are still trying to figure out what I'm trying to stay safe, all eight of these guys have one common denominator. <laughs> solid, 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 solid. That is what we've seen out of the growth of Jabari Smith Jr. And that's why it's, he it's teaching for the rebuild next year. He need to, because I'm looking at this from a standpoint of if I just gave you eight prospects, if you go out and get school Victor or Brandon, whoever the case might be, who has an opportunity to be added to this list. Why not just keep a guy around that, you know, can develop and learn and teach these young guys. I'm, I'm giving you prospects that, that Baron Davis, that's like almost 25 years ago or 27. Yeah. 
if my if my if my answer is correct. And like I said, I understand that Steph and LeBron is damn sure on a different level than those other ones. And in the next few years, Luca might be in a different level of all of them either. Of course. But once again, what is the common denominator of the most important part of these players' careers? Forget how what they turned into. Forget LeBron being the GOAT, arguably the GOAT. At the end of the day, you had Steven Silas at the most important parts. Sarge, you you a father. What's, what what they say be the most important parts of a, of a child's life? Their baby year, right? Toddlers and stuff, right? Oh, I was going to say the most important part is as long as you can, you know, get them in front of an iPad or watch Teletubbies. <laughs> but hey, look, the most important part is making sure you got cable so you can watch Disney. <laughs> but yeah, but anyway, it goes. Whether it's Teletubbies, you change the diapers or whatever. That's still part of their childhood, their youth, the correct? Stage, yes, the infancy stage. And that's, that's the same thing. And that's the same thing with all eight of these players that I'm just mentioning. And you could you could tear down however however way you want it. But a couple of days ago, I asked I asked Jabari Smith about Coach Steven Silas's teaching, and he basically said the same exact thing. It's the fact that Coach did not give up on me. It's the fact that Coach told me I never put I never um shot a bad shot. It's the fact that Coach um. Coach Steven Silas has, you know, kept his belief and faith in me. And that's part of the reason why over the last four games, this is a young man who is averaging 23 points while shooting 54% from the field and 52% from behind the arc. And not only that, it's averaging a block and a half a game. And it's part of the reason why the Houston Rockets are, what, four and three over their last seven games? Come on now, man. And then play some good defense against DeMar DeRozan and Jason Tatum. Ooh. So Anthony yeah. Davis didn't want that smoke, by the way. I, that's what I said. Too. <laughs> so with that being said, Cody, I don't, and I'm not, I don't have anything to say after that because you put it so eloquently and, you know, anything I would say would just be, it would sound redundant and it wouldn't, you know, to fall on deaf ears because I would be repeating everything that you said. Last thing I have for you, Houston Rocks are 17 and 52. Mm. 13 games. I remember left. the time that was flipped. Right. <laughs> With T Mac and y'all too, just saying. Well, it was flipped with James too, but it was flipped with T Mac and y'all as well. I'm just saying. James won 65, right? Yeah, he did. I'm just saying there was a time where that record was flipped with some twelve games left. I'm just saying. James. I'm just saying both of them did it. Yeah, James too. Hey, and so since we doing all this, how many championships did James bring here, and how many championships did T Mac and y'all bring here? I'm just saying. I'm I'm just saying. You know, I mean, Western Conference Finals, T Mac and <laughs> y'all got two. What about how I many Steve got two? Did James get to any Western Conference Finals? and Yahoo got to, I think, three. three. Western Conference Finals? Yeah, the James got to two. James got to two. And on 2K? (laughs) On my 2K, they won championships. That's what I'm saying, on my 2K. Wait, so y'all and Steve went to three Western Conference Finals? No, y'all and T-Mac did. Y'all and T-Mac did. They went in 08, 9, and 10. (laughs) At this point, who they played? They played... In 08, they played the Spurs. 09, they played Denver. In 2010, who did they play in 2010? I think it was the Spurs again. Did you have an edible before you got on here? <laughs> and it's kicking in now? <laughs> the edible has to be kicking in, right? Oh. So, Houston Rockets 17, 17 and 52 with 13 games left. I'm going to name the teams they have left, and then you give me the final record. Okay. They play New Orleans twice. Golden State, Memphis twice, where you're going to get stabbed, <laughs> Cleveland, New York, Brooklyn, Detroit, 
Los Angeles Lakers again here. So LeBron may be playing that game. Denver, Charlotte, and they close the season out in Washington. 13 games left. They have 17 now. Um, I say two. I got them winning one, two, four more games, and that puts them at golly, 21 and 61. This so, is better than last year. All right. <laughs> so I'm gonna go down my list. I got them splitting. I got them splitting with New Orleans because I, I think did too. the back to back game with Golden State is gonna be uh it's gonna be looming in that second game. So they can beat them the first game. They lose to Golden State. Mm-hmm. They split with Memphis because it's hard to beat. You got them split in Memphis. They they them. they losing both games in Memphis because Ja gonna be back for both of those games in Memphis. Trust me. You know what? Ja got shooters. They may. You know what? Let me go ahead and take that off because <laughs> I know why you did that. Ja, ja gonna be back. The goons gonna be in the building. Yeah, so, I feel like they can beat Cleveland. Wow, gonna, really? Yes, they're gonna lose to New York. They're gonna lose to Brooklyn. They're going to beat Detroit. They're going to beat the Lakers again. Wow. They're going to beat Denver. They're going to wow. beat and they're going to beat Washington. And the reason why I say they're going to beat Denver is because I feel like Denver will be resting by then. They don't need the rest. Getting ready. They need to be establishing more chemistry, trying to get to the Western Conference Finals that they're not going to make again. So I have them winning one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. So I got them uh, ending the season with 24 wins. Still better than last year. For sure. Were they had 20 last year? Yeah, it was at 20 last year. 17 the year prior. So look at that. So, I mean, let's not end this on a bad note, Cody. Let's end this. Like, look at that progress, man. That's progress. They went from 17 to 20. And if everything plays out the way that I said, they can win 24. But if they went 24, I don't think they're going to finish with the fourth worst, but it might be the fifth worst. Well, listen, I know that there's some. That's going to be funny, boy. That's going to be funny. I ain't gonna say his name, but if they finish with 24 wins, somebody in the city of Houston gonna be running around this joker, man. I'll be happy. You know me. I, I like to see this team succeed. I'ma laugh. I'm gonna be like, <laughs> oh, I'ma laugh too. Boy, I'ma laugh. <laughs> because you can't tell. Look, just like I tell Houston Texans fans, you can't tell these players to tank. They and don't then, know. And by the way, by the way, Sarge, I'm glad that you brought that up. Because last night, you know, we plastic credential boys now. So, you know, we all always, we always in the locker rooms and stuff. I do want to ask fans, if you love your team so much and you love these players so much, why do you want them to tank? Because we have been inside NRG Stadium and the Toyota Center, you know, unfortunately throughout both of these terrible rebuilds. And... If you love and care about these players in your team, you want to see these guys succeed. And I say that because last night was one of the happiest I've ever seen the Rockets locker room. And I can honestly say I've ever seen the Rockets locker room because I came in at the tail end of James and Russ and them. So I wasn't really in the locker room. Like I think I was in there maybe once or twice, and then COVID happened and boom, didn't come in there no more. Same thing for the Houston Texans. Didn't get an opportunity to see what was the vibe of the locker room when Deshaun and D-Hop and all of them was there. I'm pretty sure you could tell me. But so I've been in the locker room on a lot of gloomy days where it's just quiet and sad. And I said that because when the Houston Texans is coming off a win, the players are happy. Everybody's in a good mood. The coaches are happy. And over these past two days, I can say two days, we're on the two-game win streak. 
the locker room and everybody mood is just so happy. And I'm saying this because if you truly care about your team and you truly care about, you know, the players and, you know, whoever it is, if it's, if you just only care about Elpie, if you only care about Jalen and, you know, on the Texan side, you only care about Damian Pierce or whatever, you don't want to see your team tank because it's not putting them in a good state of mind. Especially with young teams that are still trying to learn and develop and learn how to win a game of basketball and football. Tanking and look, I understand it. There are some things that you can't control, and you end up with the league's worst record or whatever the case might be. But let it, but but you don't to, get that record for not trying. You got yes. that because you tried and you failed. Yes, and I and you like and, and remember when we talked to we when we got to the point to talk to KJ because KJ had us waiting so long, don't know why, but it was so loud in there. Tracy was like, hey, y'all, hey. Like and Tari came to interview. Yeah, him. and then Tari came to interview him. And after that, I was like, "Look, I, I don't want to ask no important interview. I can ask him this tomorrow." Like exactly. And it was the same thing with the Houston Texans things. And I just wanted to throw that out there because let me jump. Let, let me jump in here for a second. And I tell people this uh, when it comes to the Houston Texans. And I know you know we're talking about the Rockets, but I'm throwing the Houston Texans. Cody, I was at the game on Christmas Eve when they defeated the Tennessee Titans. I'm glad you brought that up. That locker room, <laughs> when I tell you that they was on fire up in there, they music was blasting, they in there laughing, joking while they trying to get ready to get out of there. But the mood, and I put this out, I, I just, matter of fact, I just put out another video uh, last week when Jonathan Grenard, uh, no, earlier this week when Jonathan Grenard was coming to the town, he said, Tell him to write about, tell him to talk about that, Sarge. <laughs> and, you know, Laramie Tunsil coming through there. We won. We won. We won. You know, you got Jonathan Owens saying, yeah, they mad. Merry Christmas, right? Because mm-hmm. they had lost well, They had lost so many games. That was only the second game of the season that they won. Exactly. So their mindset was, like, we're tired of losing. And that's what these these players, they have that mentality of, I, I, I don't go out here to lose because the fans want the number one pick. I'm not going out here to lose because the fans want more balls when it's time to, you know, for the for the draft lottery. I I I don't think about that. I go out there because I have been programmed since I touched this court or I touched this field to win. There's nothing else, and that's what I try to tell people when it comes to when it came to Coach Lovey Smith. He doesn't know how to just go out there. Hmm. Well, I got to think about my job, so let me make sure that I lose. No, he, he only knows how to win. You're, you're talking about a guy who went to the Super Bowl, and you're telling this coach, I need you to lose because we need the number one pick. You're not going to do it. You just can't. They're not wired that way. And if you get a franchise that gets into that mindset of losing all the time, then guess what you end up with? You end the up Sacramento with Sacramento Kings what, or, or Jacksonville. Or, or the New York, or the Cleveland Browns, or the New York Knicks, or the or Charlotte, the Minnes- or the Minnesota Timberwolves, or the New Orleans Pelicans. Like, you know, <laughs> you hey, hey, home, hey. In the words of Kendrick Perkins, a whole boy, we've been to the playoffs a couple of times. They just went to the playoffs last year. Yeah, but don't act like they didn't have no losing seasons. Consent- they have, they have had a losing season because right. a guy named Anthony Davis could not stay healthy. Been tuning to the Sports Talk with Big Sarge podcast. Cody, tell them where they can find you at and your work because I'm not getting into that with you. So you really think the Pelicans was tanking with Anthony Davis? Tanking? Yeah. I, I don't think that any team purposely tanks. 
not the players. I think but oh, oh okay, so let me rephrase that. Yes, they had losing seasons because of Anthony Davis could not stay hurt. Just stay like healthy. what's going on in Los Angeles as of right now. You mean stay healthy? Yeah, stay healthy. You know what? Hold on. Somebody Just like what's going on in Los Angeles right now. Am I correct? The Lakers are in this position because who can't stay healthy? So wait, hold on. I mean, who can't stay healthy? Come on now. Somebody, Come on now. Somebody made a great point. Somebody made a great point on Twitter, and I wish I would have uh, written down the Twitter handle so I could have given him his props. He said, and it makes sense after, after I read it. So what was one of the reasons why y'all couldn't stay healthy? Do you remember? Honestly, if I remember, it had a lot to do with him playing in overseas well, in the summer. But it also had a lot to do with him growing faster than his body was able to develop. Mm-hmm. His bones were able to take on the growth spurt that he was making. So his body his almost like his 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 body was trying to catch up with the growth. When a guy put out today that, and I had forgot all about this. You remember Anthony Davis within what a four-year span had like a what mm-hmm. six to eight inch growth spurt? Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, he made the point, and I and I'm not trying to give Anthony Davis any excuses, but like it just it, it makes sense to me as well. He's like, imagine growing that fast in that limited amount of time, and then your body is still trying to catch up to that. Now I know that he's been the size that he's been for a long time, but that is a lot to put on your body, which you know, you think about it like this. When you go back and you look at some of the bigger guys, what do they end up doing? They always end up. You look at like Manute Bowl, right? You look at you and I'm and Sean Bradley, their injuries. You look at you can look at players like Arvita Sabonis. You can look at players, um, you know, some of the other players that at that size and that stature had a lot of injuries because their bodies were still trying to catch up. So I don't know if, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm not a medical doctor, so I can't say what the guy's saying is true. But that's just another thing. I was like, you know what? I can see someone making a uh, an, an argument for that because of that. But, you know, I mean, then again, I think, wait a minute, hold on, getting breaking news. Anthony Davis just sprung his toe. As he's walking to the bathroom, he's going to be out six to eight weeks. <laughs> but, you know, and everything that you just finished talking about is the only thing that scares, that scares me about Victor Wimbiama. Whoa. Honestly, bro, I'm not wishing this on this young man. I'm hoping that he can be the greatest prospect of all time. But there are so many times to where we use the term definition of a body and all of this in basketball and none of those guys have stayed healthy i think the only one off the top of my head that has stayed fairly healthy is kevin durant and look what's been happening to him over the last what three to four years and he's older yeah and and he's older but in all of these guys have had lower body injuries well and then not only that when you talk about freaky size and everything the rockets had not one but two of these because everybody know about y'all but what about the the unfortunate story of ralph sampson yeah well hold on we could bring it to today Chet Holgren. I didn't even think about that. Right. And then there's another guy who had a big growth spurt like that. That that in the in now I'm really starting to connect the dots here. Greg Odom. Yes. So yes. that's the only thing that really concerns me about Victor. Once again, whoever hearing this or whatever, I am not wishing anything on this young man. I'm hoping in the next 20, 25 years we sit here talking about how we covered a goat or whatever. Because he's but, 19, right? He's like 18 or 19, and, and he's still, still growing. 
So, and you know what? I just had this uh, Jabari's still growing too. So, we talked to him the other day. I was like, I'm looking up a little bit further. That's what I was just about to say when I was talking to uh, Jonathan Fagan from the Houston Chronicle. I said, we're going to look up after the summer and Jabari's going to come back because Jabari's 6'11". <laughs> Jabari could potentially come back because he's, he's turning 20 in May. Jabari could come back after the summer and be 7'1". And if he's 7-1, he's going to be a problem. And I want to say this on record. Make sure, hey, whatever y'all listen to me on or whatever apparatus, move a little closer because Big Sarge is about to tell you something. Cody, if Jabari Smith Jr. works out with Kevin Durant this summer, he is going to be unstoppable the next 12 years. <laughs> All Jabari, and, and we, we're, we're starting to see it. And it peaked out a little bit after the Chicago game. But what did he say in the locker room? It's disrespectful for you to put these little guys on me. Well, sometimes, you know, he mentioned Patrick Beverly and uh, Devontae Graham. Is that his name? Mm -hmm. He mentioned those two guys who are like under 6'3", right? 6'2", 6'3", right? You really look at it. He could also be talking about people that's like six, seven, and six, eight. Because look at how how easily and I, and look. But don't get me wrong. I'm about to talk about two of my favorite players, LeBron James, who is my goat, but Kevin Durant, who is my favorite player of all time. Kevin Durant is my favorite player. He ain't my goat. LeBron is my goat. Cody, I want to take you back to a time in the uh, finals. Between Golden State, oh, I already know where you're going, and the Cleveland Cavaliers, and it's one of my favorite moments in NBA Finals history. And I don't even like KD like that. Wait, hold on. I'm not. <laughs> well, I, well, I'm going to use one specific moment. I'm pretty sure you have another one, but you think about it. Kevin Durant shot over LeBron with so much ease, and LeBron was still considered a great defensive player. But when you got a guy that's, you know, I don't know why Kevin always wants to be six eleven when he's really like seven feet. <laughs> With a wingspan of seven five, bro, he literally does not see when he jumps. There's no he sees nobody in front of him. Mm -hmm. You know when he came across half court. Yep, that's it. <laughs> and LeBron stepped up, and he did without hesitation. He just let it go. Every time he shoots, he don't see nobody right there. So if Jabari learns that, it's done. It's over. And to prove your point even more, I want everybody to go back to the game against the Lakers that took place on March 15th and fast forward to about the 945 mark of the fourth quarter. The Lakers had, they had put the, they came within four. Jabari Smith hit the first shot. I think it was like a pick and pop between him and KPJ because you know KPJ is the point guard. I think that's what it was. But on the second shot, he got the rebound. In transition, just pulled up like nothing. Wet. <laughs> Rockets goes up by 10. And when that happened, Sarge, I know you were sitting next to me, but in my mind, I said, Sarge might have a point. If this man somehow get an opportunity to work out with KD, it's almost equivalent to, unfortunately, you know, my goal, Kobe Bryant, when he was working out with Jason Tatum. And now look what Jason is doing. There's times I'm watching Jason. I'm like, that's Kobe 2.0. Just like Kyrie Irving. He was working out with Kobe. That's Kobe Bryant 2.0. 
Dang if Jabari somehow makes his way to hell, I'll play. I'll pay for his plane ticket. I hope he likes the ride spirit, <laughs> but <laughs> Jet Blue, Jet Blue. True, I'll drive him down there myself. Don't worry, Jabari. I, I'll bring you there. Hey, look, hey, tell him you got to listen to Michael Jackson all the way, though. Hey, he, I saw him wearing a Michael Jackson shirt one day, so clearly he likes Michael Jackson, too. So, you know, so we already got that. But if I can find a way to link him up with Kevin Durant, it's over, Sarge. I agree with you. And it was that play right there. I said to myself, this young man is special. <laughs> And just in the and way he wants to play defense, yes, that's that's who the scary part about it. Defense, and you're talking about NBA player in 2023 who likes to take defense off. <laughs> hey, you know, why I did like this, dang it, you know, why I did that. Why I missed my opportunity for to ask Jason Tatum if he still texts Kobe. Oh, tell him where they can find you at Cody. <laughs> you can't ask him that after a loss. Because if Kobe was here, and if he got a text from Kobe from losing to, I hate to say it, the Rockets, it wouldn't have been a good test text. <laughs> Tell me where they can find you at, man. Uh, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, it's Cody C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. What about your articles? Oh, yeah. You can follow my work over at Inside the Rockets, um, part of Sports Illustrated. And, of course, as you guys see, always writing and talking about the Texans as well. You can follow my Texans work at Texans Daily. And you can follow my voice on Locked On Texans with my guy, John. If you want to know more about that rebuild, Locked On Rock, I mean, Locked On Texans on all your favorite podcast streaming services and YouTube as well. <laughs> Make sure you follow me on <laughs> Instagram and Twitter, Big Star Sports with the Z at the end. You can see my writers on Rockets Wire and Texans Wire USA today. Oh, so you're on another lockdown podcast, huh, Cody? Hey, man, look. <laughs> hey, thanks for uh for, for coming on, brother. I really, really appreciate it. And um, before we leave, right, because I got to ask you this, right? I got to ask you. Music wise, right? You ready? Mm-hmm. If you had to only listen to one artist out of these two, though, out of these two, ready? Teddy Pendergrass or Barry White? Mm-hmm. Not a big Barry White fan. I like them both the same, but I'm trying. I'm trying to see what song I like the most. Cause that's a good like. <laughs> I think if I had to pick, I would pick Teddy only because. Does this include him with or without the Blue Notes or what? Carol Melvin and the Blue Notes. Yeah. Does Does this include? Yeah, solo that career level? only. Solo career. Oh, see, you made it harder. Cause if you would have said that, then I would have went Teddy. I've never stumped you before. Because it's hard, man. Um, Ooh, I got him. I got him. Hey, no, I didn't get you, though. But, like, I knew that if I, like, because those are the, the, the artists that don't nobody really just think about, but who also had some really good careers and could really sing. 
but I, I think I will pick Teddy because one of my favorite songs is Looks Like Another Love TKO. And one of my favorite parts, Let It Go, 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 Go. <laughs> Bro, listen, one of my favorite Barry White songs. You know he's from Galveston, right? I didn't know that. Yeah, Barry White. I really Galveston. didn't know that. Hey, listen, think about uh, the, uh, you seen the movie Money Talks? Yeah. Your first. My <laughs> My everything. I think Secret Garden took him over the top too. Oh man, that's one of my all-time favorite songs too. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's tough, man. Next time we'll talk about who was better. SWV or Invoke. You've been tuning to the Sports Talk with Big Sarge Podcast. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs>